we go. Okay. This morning we're going to talk about the topic, a God we can trust. I want to build a case for this. Now, there's kind of a reason I'm calling it a God we can trust, because I believe there are many people who say they trust in God, but when push comes to shove, they don't trust God. It's a big difference. Um, I want to zoom in on some questions or comments that people are not saying, but they're intuitively thinking it. And if you end up having a conversation with individuals who are struggling with faith, especially when difficulties in life hit, um, these are some of the things we're going to cover, these, or at least face, uh, from our neighbors, from our friends. Um, so today, In God We Trust, and uh, it's stamped right in the money. And if you look on a lot of the U.S. dollar bills, it's printed on their documents. In God we trust. Oh, how exciting. The church must be so happy that it says God on the dollar bill. Wow. Really? What, what do you mean in God we trust? And it's, it's on every document like this, every, every penny they have. Do you think it gets old? Do you think they don't see it anymore? Do you think that... Uh, um, uh, okay, let, here's an example in your own home for just a moment. My wife's going to laugh. I'll have to pick a good example. <laughs> no, no. It's me who, who uh, steps over stuff. I don't see things all the time. You know, and, and uh, uh, she'll say, Haven't you, don't you see it there? No. You know, it's been there a while. I, I don't see it anymore. What's that? I'm just saying, clarifying the pile of laundry. Okay, 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 okay. Uh, <laughs> I'll give the illustration. <laughs> so you don't see it anymore after a while. <laughs> well, a coin like this, you know it's there, but you don't really read it anymore. It's like a uh, your, your thing on a wall, you get a mark and you never see it anymore, but it's been there like a couple of years. And uh, you go, oh, I forgot that is there. Um, this is why I want to zoom in a bit today. I want to take a look at this God we say we trust. In God we trust, but my question is going to be, which God? Now, if you're well-churched, you're going to think, well, of course there's only one God. Come on. Well, that's for the well-churched. And even for the well-churched person, we have come to know God better and differently and better, correct? From your little Sunday school God, to who he is now, that's a different God. It's different because your knowledge of your Heavenly Father has increased. But the world doesn't know this intimate, good Father, this good God. So which God are we talking about? Here's some obvious questions. Are we talking about the God, uh, the one that the Christian religion preaches? Okay. We would say yes, right? In fact, among many other religions and faiths, most believe in a monotheistic God, one God. Um, but there are others that have multiple gods. But we're talking about this one. But that's not good enough. Because now the next question is, well, okay, the Christian religion, but which denomination? Which one's right? Isn't this a legitimate question? With so many millions and millions of believers around the world, and... I don't know, probably in North America, I think we've got like almost 40,000 different denominations. 
each one thinks they're right. That's how it works. That's why you split, because they're wrong and we're right. That's why you have, like, really, that's, that's how religion works. So which God? If it's the God of the Christian religion, how do we know which denomination is right? Well, side note on the denominations, each one still brings a lens that we need to hear, at least listen to. doesn't mean you have to accept, but at least listen. Here, what, what lens are they coming from? And you get to then decide, hey, I like it or don't. But this is a big question. So you can imagine when non-believers uh, who come, come across Christians or people who say they believe in God, they're wondering, what God? You guys are a bunch of fruitcakes with all your trouble you got in the big church. Look at, look at, and they just see all the difficulties. If you're in the church, you see all the difficulties. Okay? That's a tough one. Well, then, which God? How about the, somebody will say, well, the God of the Bible. Well, that's nice, but that is not an answer. It's, it's part of the steps to figure out who God is. This is a revelation given to us that points us to, to what? Jesus. This, the scriptures point us to Jesus. Many will say it points us to God. But God points us to Jesus. And then Jesus, and you'll get to it later, points us to God. It's very different. So which God of the Bible? So, so we're talking about the God of the Bible that we can trust. How about which one? Okay? Like if you've grown up in church long enough, you've got to come to a place where you admit, man, this, this is hard to describe God, you know? We say he's really good, and then yet we have a record, an ancient writing that says, God said to go kill these people, wipe them out. That God? Or the God of the Psalms of praisey, praisey, everlasting love, unfailing love, hey, kumbaya. That God? Which, which God? The angry, ticked-off one? Yeah, the God who mixes up his moods. You can't. The, the one who's good one moment, then easily ticked off in the next chapter. Which God are we talking about? It's a very legitimate question that a lot of people, they're just saying, I'm done. I, I don't believe in any of that stuff. I'm now atheist. I don't want anything to do with your God because you guys can't even figure it out. Can you hear the confusion? It's, it, it is hard. But I got to tell you, I'm, I'm discovering why people are asking these questions. And it comes from a place of equating the Scripture as all of it equally true. And equally authoritative. So that whatever you read in the Old is equal to what is in the New Testament. That is is, the, I think, the first screw-up in the Christian religion. Okay? Because it's not the same. The Old Testament, New Testament, Old Covenant, New Covenant, usually one one's new, the old one's no good. Right? That, that is legit. And then, which I'll show you later, the God of the Old Testament, the stories that we are receiving were written by individuals who believed 
What they were writing was from God, and they wrote it. They wrote a story. It was historical. It's written for a group of people. You've you got to go through this, and, and you gotta, if you're going to understand your Bible, you've got to do your proper, proper hermeneutic, proper interpretation and study. And when you see the lenses of individuals, and here, here's where I'm, I'm going to point out one guy named John the Baptist. They asked Jesus, who, who's the greatest? Greatest prophet. And who did Jesus say? Of all the teachers and prophets, John the Baptist is the greatest. Well, how is that possible? I think Moses has a much better resume. Or David, clearly, he's got far more ability and he did all the praise psalms. He was, he, how can John the Baptist be greater than all of them? That says something about how we are to see the opinions in the Old Testament. They're for us. We can learn from them. But there's something coming later recorded, words of Christ, that tell us we have another lens we must look through. You've heard this here before. I've, I've covered this. But still, this is why the world is having a hard time believing in God. Which God? Interesting question. Well, let's build the case. Number one, we need a source we can trust. Scriptures, healthy church history, I think there's much we can learn. I trust the scriptures. Now, which ones? <laughs> right? <laughs> like, which Bible? You got a Catholic Bible that has a whole bunch of extra books. You have the uh, Protestant Bible, which is ticked off at the Catholics, so they cut out a bunch of books. And then you have the Orthodox Bible, which has a whole bunch more books. Which Bible? Well, we're clearly right. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Who is your teacher? Who is your true teacher? The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the one who will guide you. And yes, we can have teachers and leaders and do your Bible studies. This is really important. And you learn. This is how we grow, but it's the Holy Spirit who does the confirming. And your struggle with questions is not a bad thing. And I think that's part of the problem in the religious church as well, is that we're not allowed to ask questions. And I've come across a new mentality that I'm starting to question the answers that I've been given. And I'm finding a hope-filled lens of a better way to see the scripture and a better way to see my heavenly father and an even more beautiful way to see Jesus and what he came to do. That's my goal. So, oh, by the way, church history. Um, <laughs> some people say the early church fathers are Martin Luther. Okay, well, when did Martin Luther come around? 15-something, so 400 years ago, 500 years ago. So if your early church fathers are only 500 years old, what happened to the other 1,500 years of the Bride of Christ? Okay? If you're going to be honest, as a Protestant, your early church fathers were Catholic. What? <laughs> yes! And it's okay. <laughs> uh, in the last five years, I've been exposed to the I call it the real early church fathers, first five centuries. Athanasius, other leaders, reading how they 
believed, how they saw scriptures, uh, how inclusive the church was back then, uh, allowing different perspectives and still get along. What's with that? Okay. They had uh, church councils that uh, uh, had varying opinions and they were still part of the council even though they had different opinions. Here's an example. Universalism is a, uh, in the North, North, Northern uh, Western Church, it's, a, it's a, almost a heresy. It's like, a, don't use that word. Universalism, oh no. What if many, many early church fathers believed that? Would that give some credibility to at least explore that topic? Okay, like we need to be careful that we do our history. So a healthy church history is important. We need to take a look and go back. And I'm not a great historian, but there are some good teachers who are. Baxter Kruger definitely is one of the best. Stuart Johnson from Paracoresis, Australia, I think he's one of the best historians that can bring out this good news. Look him up and get some of his stuff, whatever's available. Um, but let's have some credibility here. So when you hear something today and go, that's new teaching, uh, yeah, only like, you know, 1,800 years ago this was taught. That's pretty new. It's not new. Just because it's new to you does not make it new teaching. Okay? It's worth exploring, and it creates healthier conversations uh, amongst ourselves. Um, and so when Steve McVeigh came out with the book Beyond an Angry God, that was a great tipping point, uh, at least for me, seeing that we are moving beyond the angry God, the God that we have come to know as angry, bad cop, Jesus, good cop, right? So they kind of play on you, so get him mad, and then he'll be really nice, and so you trust him, and then back door to him, you know, like however it works. People are not believing that. And that angry, angry, ticked-off God, I think, has been misrepresented and has been perfected and properly revealed in Christ, which I'll get to. That's why. So history, scriptures, yes, let's keep learning. We need a person we can trust, Jesus. I think he is the best representative to help us see who God is. We like Jesus, don't we? He, he was, he was, he's good, you know. He turned water into wine. Of course he's good, you know. He fed 5,000. He's good. He can walk on water, literally, you know. <laughs> uh, these stories, they, they, he heals. He's, he's other-centered. Like, I wish, I wish God would be like Jesus. There's a book by Brad Jerzak called A More Christ-Like God. Worth reading, I promise. Okay? This is not new teaching. But the point today is to build trust in this God we say we believe in. So we're going to take a look at Jesus, and then we're going to take a look at a pattern we can trust. Verses that prove how God sees us. Non-negotiable verses that point out how God, the Trinity, Jesus, Father, Son, Spirit, see us and what has happened to us as a result of their work. And I think once you establish that pattern, that gives you the confidence to believe and trust this God we say we believe in. Many people say they trust in God, but they don't really trust Him. All right? I want to move us 
along so that we can have a confidence internally. And by the way, God gives you that. You can't make it up. So let's take a look at this Jesus, a person we can trust. And of course, this is, this is the, I think, the greatest picture in all of Scripture. I think this is the, the pinnacle of revelation when it comes to who this God is and how Jesus describes him. So in John 14, 9 to 11, it says, Jesus replied, because Philip's asking, yo, can we please see the Father? You're telling us so much great stuff. I'm going to ask. Are you going to ask? No, I'm not going to ask. You ask. Okay, I'll ask. Hey, can we see the Father? And Jesus <laughs> says, have I been with you all this time, Philip? Yet you still don't know who I am. Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. That's a bold statement. But he gets even more bold. All right? He, just in case you didn't catch it, he gets in, into it much deeper. So why are you asking me to show him to you? You, just, you can see him. Don't you believe that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me. This can get you killed. <laughs> oh, it did. Right. The words I speak are not my own, but my Father who lives in me does his work through me. We see that in Acts as well. Where in Acts it says, hey, all the miracles, it was God doing those miracles through Christ. And Jesus just declares it right here, all that good work, that was God the Father doing it through me. Just believe that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me, or at least believe because of the work you've seen me do. For the first time in history, Jesus is declaring something about his heavenly Father. All the other teachers and leaders, all the prophets, all the writers had an incomplete view of who God was. They had limited revelation. They had some. They had been given. But through their lens, they still saw and communicated through writing all these lenses that seemed like a schizophrenic God. And they even claimed that God told them to do certain things that you're thinking, what? Why would God do that? If he says he's love and he forgives everybody, why didn't he forgive those people? You sure God told you to do that? Huh. It's worth asking. You've got to ask these questions. I'm not questioning my faith. I'm not questioning the scriptures. I'm questioning the words that are pointing to something other than what Jesus says. Does that make sense? Because you can't have two opposing completely and both be right. I think Jesus corrects it. He is the Savior of the world. Let's take a look at this. John 10.30 says, The Father and I are one. We are the same. Same character, same DNA, and God is love. Remember, we covered that really well. John 17, 20 says, I pray that they will all be one, and he's praying to God, his Father, just as you and I are one, as you are in me, 
There's another spot. He's claiming his father is in him. Jesus the man is possessed by Christ. Jesus Christ. This is the shell, the earth suit. Possessed. That's right. Jesus the man was born and dwelled by Christ. This helps so much. It helps me see what's going on. Here he's, he's representing, he's, he's showing God is in me. Father, uh, sorry, just as I'm in, uh, you and I are one as you are in me. Father, and I am in you. And may they be in us so that the world will believe you sent me. I have given them the glory you gave me. So they may be one as we are one. This is a gift that has already been given to us, by the way. And when is this written? Is this before the cross or after the cross? Before. Look, I have given them the glory you gave me, so they may be one as we are one. I am in them, and you are in me. He's already saying he's in them. What is going on here? Did you ever see that before? I never caught it like that before. This is blunt. Huh. I'm not making this up. Look it up yourself. May they, ex here we go, experience such a perfect unity that the world will know that you sent me and that you love them as much as you love me. Jesus is declaring something, something that has been questioned throughout the years. They were led to believe that in order to be right with God, you had to follow the rules. You had to follow the law in order to be right with God and even liked by him, maybe. Loved is pushing it. And if it is, if they did believe God loved them, it's more of a, he has to, it's his job. Right? Never a proper understanding of what love is. And here, Jesus is declaring that, you, that, he, that the Father loves them. He loves us. He loves the world. There is not a single person in this world not loved by God. Even those weird people you can't stand. Yep. Because you're weird to somebody else. Don't worry. But this is a profound statement. You probably want to go home and read this yourself. In multiple translations... Not just one. Colossians. Colossians 1. This is, this is again, this is laying the case. Trusting the person Jesus. Here it is. Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. Again, another confirmation. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. The Father and I are one. Jesus is the perfect representative. He is the one who has come to reveal the Father, to make things right, to take away sin, to forgive. Jesus came to do it. He came to give life. He existed before anything was created and is supreme over all creation. That's Christ. 
He shows up in this earth suit, became human, humbled himself, became a servant. Verse 19, for in, sorry, for God in all his fullness was pleased to live in Christ. Are you getting the picture that God the Father was in Christ the entire time? They were one. And through him, God reconciled some things to himself. Oh, shoot. It says everything. God reconciled everything to himself. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. That is why that day is so important. Easter, Good Friday. This God we say we believe in, this Jesus we say we believe in, I'm going to trust Christ's words much better than how I am interpreting Old Testament Scripture. Is it inspired by God? I believe it is. I have no problem with that. I just don't understand. I don't. I don't. I cannot reconcile. Did I just don't know? There isn't a great answer. If there was, I'd be rich because I'd sell it, right? And obviously, nobody else has the answer either. Oh, the Lord's ways are mysterious. What an excuse. They are. But I'm not going to, I'm going to stick with Christ. I want his opinion. I want his perspective. Do you remember on the Mount of Transfiguration? There appeared two individuals beside Jesus. Moses and Elijah. Moses representing the law of God. That was presented to Israel. The ones they knew. The whole Israelite people knew that law. Then the prophets represented by Elijah. More stuff. Again, all of them were pointing to Christ all through the Old Testament, by the way. All through the entire Old Testament, you have uh, prophecies pointing to this Jesus coming. So Jesus comes. We ought to listen to what he says. It's good news. And then the Father speaks. And what does he say? He tells the disciples, listen to him, his son. Not the law. Not the prophets, but my son. Finally, for the first time in history, we have the complete revelation and perfect revelation of who the Father is for the first time. Don't go back and use the old descriptions. You stick with the one who is the representative. It's good news. This Jesus, <laughs> for the Son of Man came to seek and save those who are lost. This is the God we say we believe in. He's the one who pursues, goes after the hurting. I love this picture of Jesus on a bus, or the shepherd person at least. <laughs> See that bus? <laughs> I thought it was cool. Brad Jerzak posted that yesterday. He seeks until he finds them. Lost. 
Have you ever lost your keys? <laughs> they're still your keys, though, right? Even though they're lost, they're yours. Lostness does not mean without owner. It has to have an owner in order for it to be lost. There are many people lost in this world, but their Heavenly Father loves them and is pursuing them. Every one of them. And he's good at what he does. John 10.10. 10, this Jesus building the case, trusting the words of Christ. A thief has only one thing in mind. He wants to steal, slaughter, and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Abundantly. Like, now that's one translation. New American Standard Bible. New Living Translation says, My purpose is to give life in all of its fullness. The Message Translation says, I came so they can have real and eternal life, more and better life than they ever dreamed of. <laughs> that's pretty amazing because I can dream, you can dream. But he came to give you an even better life than what you can dream of. And we're not necessarily talking about the, the dream that uh, uh, these lotto companies are presenting on TV or the radio. That's not the dream. That's a facade. It's a fake. It's like Facebook. It's fake. People behind it are real, but the personas are fake. Not everybody's happy on there. They look happy, and then you get jealous. I want that life. No, you don't want that life. That's just what they're letting you know. Stop believing that. In the same way, those lottos are trying to sell a dream. They're forcing you. They're, they're framing your dream for you. Well, let's reframe the real dream and what abundant life is. Living in the absolute dependent peace of the overflowing river of life in us. <sighs> All wisdom coming to you as needed. All strength, all encouragement. That's a life to live. And Scripture points to many better images of what abundant living is. I like the message translation says, But I have come to give you everything in abundance, more than you expect, life in its fullness until you overflow. And I have a hunch the reason some people don't overflow is because they're not letting it overflow. They're controlling the dream. They're controlling their perceptions of who they think God is and how God's supposed to work in their lives, and there isn't room to surrender that. But once those things are absolutely surrendered, life will come flowing, and it's going to look different than what you thought. Careful what advertising you watch. Or listen to. I'm going to go to the source. I'm going to go to the creator of the world, Jesus. Ephesians 1.3. You want to talk about abundance? Some spiritual blessings in the heavenly realm have perhaps been handed over to you and set beside you? No. This says every Spiritual blessing in the heavenly realm has already been lavished 
upon us as a love gift from our wonderful heavenly Father, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. All because He sees us wrapped into Christ. This is why we celebrate Him with all of our hearts. That's why we can sing these songs. Most of you may not even realize how blessed you really are. I don't really know how blessed I am. I'm still learning. I'm still peeling back the layers. Going, oh, shoot, that, that's not God. It's better than that. But that was pretty good. But whoa, that, what I see now, that makes that, oh my goodness, no, I just want this. And then a week later, whoa, that's, that's pretty good. But what? Oh my goodness, look at what? Compare, but that was good, but no way. No. So imagine the journey of growing and, and just unwrapping these gifts of God in you and realize, I've got everything I need. What am I worried about? Do you trust God? It's a good question. Don't you answer it right now. It's worth pondering. Because we don't talk about this in church too much. We just sing our songs because we say we trust God and therefore everybody heard me sing the song so they all think I'm a, a truster of God, fully trusting. Right? Boy, I got them fooled. But it's every day, not just when we come together. What's it look like? And every day is going to be a new layer. Are you going to allow the layer? Are you going to look for the layers? You're not even looking for them. Maybe look for them. Maybe you're going to see better news. God is gooder than you thought. All the English majors are freaking out. Ephesians 1.3 All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ. New Living Translation. You lack nothing. This is part of the case for a God we can trust. Next week, we're going to continue and keep unpacking a case for a God we can trust. I hope you'll come back for that. Let's pray.